Hey, you found us. It's the Ben Mad Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And in a normal year, our National Signing Day podcast would be all about everything that happened on National Signing Day, except now everything happened in December and no one... I was going to say, I'm not sure a normal year is going to happen again because, you know, it seemed like across the country it was kind of a tame day. I mean, a few commitments, a few mind changes but uh there's uh so much that gets done in december now that it's kind of like you know uh almost an afterthought by february i i mean honestly i didn't hear much hype about it at all i read this morning it was signing day i'm like wow it is hadn't even heard about it coming up asu uh the news is asu added outside linebacker elijah juarez from long beach poly he played for antonio pierce there he joins the markham twins as the long beach poly to asu connection continues yeah um probably the most interesting news for your interests and my interest is the continued dominance uh of sal point when it comes to national recruiting uh just Just today, Lathan Ransom had offers from, uh, or yesterday and today, had offers from Texas and Oregon. He's already got offers in hand from LSU. Um, the the kid is special. And he is. He is, and, and so is Robinson. I mean, they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both, I uh, think, can probably pick their spot. I mean, there's there's uh, you know, not a not a place out there that's going to say thanks, but no. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty pretty uh, rare air, you know. And but maybe not rare going forward. Who knows? Um, you know, but that's that's we've talked about it. What the program has evolved from, where you know when we were there, Caduce went to Notre Dame. But outside of that, it was you know Ronky went to Hawaii. Rocco right, was right, a walk yeah. on at Nevada. Yeah, some guys who were, yeah, I mean, uh, Jack Darlington got a scholarship to Nevada, you know, ended up getting hurt, but, you know, played there for a little bit. I mean, had some guys go to, you know, some of the the non-Power 5, there was no Power 5 then, but those type of schools. Um, And and now it's uh, it's changed. I mean, it really has. Um, And, you know, from what I recall, Caduce going to Notre Dame, I don't recall that... uh, a lot of the other heavyweights were after him. I mean, it well, was, and this it was, was kind of during like, the Ty Willingham Notre Dame right. era. This was not Brian Kelly's Notre Dame, where it was you know recruiting the top level guys that it is now. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, things have certainly changed, and and you've got two you know hugely elite prospects and a couple others. And you know, I know I think Jonah Miller's an offensive lineman that you know is is fairly highly regarded probably you know will go to a power five school if he wants to at least um mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's uh interesting and and apparently you know the campus has been crawling with big time head coaches and assistant coaches and uh, you know i heard brian kelly was there this past week uh jim, you know, harbaugh, was there. jim harbaugh ryan day was there so yeah i mean the, the who's who of of college coaches and, and even some of the you know programs and you know have been represented, maybe not by their coach, but I heard A and M had some coaches there, Texas. Um, you know, so yeah, it's it's pretty impressive and makes me makes me wish I was going to school there. I don't want to be back in high school, but I sure would love to be, you know, stalking around to see these guys show up on campus. Yeah. It's it's really something special that Doc has built uh, quite the program for him. Yes he has. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see when these kids commit. And we're 
getting to the you know stage where the class of 2020 starts making more and more of their commitments as you get to especially into the summer um so yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see where they end up um but yeah you're right signing day uh certainly has changed i mean last year was the first year of the of the december signing period and now i think by year two it seems like about you know ninety five percent of the of the top players I mean, sign in December. We're already having the guys from December enter the transfer portal. Right, I mean, exactly. we've already moved <laughs> yeah. a lot. <laughs> we had uh, yeah, Brew McCoy from USC and a kid from Cal. I saw you know signed. He's he's transferring. So yeah, I mean, uh, and that's the other thing. You know, I know I read the story that Haller did about um, you know some of the transfers we've had and Herm saying basically, and he's right. You know. It's, the, the transfer portal has really changed the game and created a, a sort of free agency along with the grad transfer, which has been there for some years now, and now it's made it even easier. And, and so it, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of roster movement still to come probably, yeah. uh, you know, what we have right now is, is probably not going to be, I mean, it's close. We're not going to add 50 guys, but I would say there's, there's decent chance five to 10, you know, spots are, are taken by guys who are not on the roster right now. Well, and Herm, you know, in that Doug Heiler article said as much that we expect to add a guy or two who can contribute. Yeah. Um, you know, one. I guess one of the perks of having your spring ball start the week after the Super Bowl is that right. you will have a very good idea of where you feel like you have strength, where you feel yeah. like you're thin, what guys you want to make uh, additions. Make an effort. You know. Yep. Yep. I agree. I mean, it's... I like this a lot. I really do. I mean, the more I have thought about it, you know, at first, you know, you like you like with anything different, you know, you kind of hear about it and you think, eh, I don't know, why would you do that? But the more I've thought about it, the more I've read, you know, people's points about it, I think it's great. And again, it's something that really can't be copied by a lot of schools because weather just won't allow it. We have the, you know, the benefit of, you know, a cold day down here, which was today, is, is in the 50s. So, you know, you, you can still practice. You can still get outside. It's, you know, it's not a problem. Um, they've been in the bubble the last two days. I don't really know why. But, uh, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't hinder your ability to, to, you know, practice this time of year, which, you know, a good majority of the country can't say. Well, and one of the points that I've grown more and more in favor of is the injury impact. Yeah. If a guy – has a lingering, you know, if a guy suffers a Mickey Miller to go cross sport or a Mickey Mitchell yeah. to go cross sport injury, yeah, yeah, um, you know, Mitchell has it happen. It's right before the season or in season right. rather. He's trying to play, he's trying to compete, and he can't do it. Here, if a guy right. gets hurt in the last week of this, he still yeah. has five months before our first yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, you're you're looking at a situation where aside from a you know an Achilles tear. Uh, you know, something like that, you know, you should have guys, I mean, you know, a broken bone, something like that. Yeah. You give guys extra time to heal. You don't want that. Obviously, you know, you want to still get healthy and be come out of it healthy so they can take part in the conditioning and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a definite advantage to a team that might finish up in mid April versus a team finishing up at the end of February. Um, if a guy gets hurt now, you're, you're adding a month, month and a half of recovery time before we get back to August and, you know, the opener at the end of August. And, 
you and I both know that it is somewhat laughable to suggest that guys don't get the playbook or don't do install before uh, their spring ball. But to the extent that you can do more and install more when you actually have the coaches involved in practice beyond just the strength coach, you know, it buys, especially with the young quarterbacks or at least inexperienced quarterbacks, it yeah. buys you more time for them to, you know, now we're not just saying, okay, run the route tree. We can have, you know, combinations. And, Linemen and, you know. you know, blocking schemes and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's certainly beneficial this year of all years when, when you know, our quarterback situation is so unknown. Uh, you know, we have one guy who's, who's you know, had any snaps and, and not many of those. Um, and then, you know, three true freshmen that are coming in and they're all here in the spring. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really beneficial for that. And then, you know, also gives them extra time to, you know, digest that after spring when you are working out with just your teammates and things like that. And, you know, non, non coaching organized drills and those type of, you know, summer workouts that everyone knows the coaches know about, but they can't formally be involved in. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's good. I mean, I don't see a downside to it in all honesty. I really don't. I mean, it's kind of one of those things that once you, once it's been put in place, you think, well, why weren't we doing this all along? I mean, what's the, what's the negative to this? Yeah. Um, from the fun of ASU in the post Super Bowl to the, eh, that was the Super uh, Bowl. Yeah. Um, uh, wake me up. I'm yawning. It was, you know, the high-scoring game that I projected, and <laughs> Boy, yeah. a lot of fireworks. Yeah. God Almighty, were we wrong on that? Yeah, you know, I, I sat here three days ago talking to you and said, you know, well, last year's game had only a couple punts. This year's game probably be the same way. It was a, it was a punt fest. Uh, yeah, you know, Johnny Hecker. If, if the Rams could have pulled it out, Hecker was probably yeah. the MVP. He might have been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, yeah, that was a. Uh, Really surprisingly meh game, I guess. I mean, it just, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm I not a fan who feels like, you know, you got to have teams score 35 points to be entertained. In fact, sometimes I've watched games like that. Like, man, there's no defense at all. Like, you know, I like I like defense. Um, but this just felt, felt kind of sloppy more than anything. Well, I mean, there was good defense, but, the Rams, but it just didn't. The Rams especially. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, there was nothing to what they were doing. The you know, obviously C.J. Anderson didn't give them anything. Much of and, anything. And Gurley right. said he was Who fine. Knows? And Who knows what's up with him? Yeah. yeah, yeah, kind of a mystery. It's one of those things where he said he was fine, and that's great to say after the game. But then, then what are you doing? Like, why was then it? What? Right? You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now, now they didn't. You know, they didn't run a lot of snaps. I mean, it felt like a game where they they never they never had very long drives. I mean, it took until the third quarter for them to have a drive of more than five plays. And so you you know, it's tough to get into any sort of rhythm when you're not on the field. Um, but it, yeah, the, the NFC title game and this game for him to be almost a non-factor was was surprising. Um, I'm not sure what to attribute it to. You you know, you have to think. I mean, he did have obviously a, a knee issue at the end of the year because he missed two or three weeks there. Um, they've said all the right things, but uh, it sure wouldn't surprise me 
if within the next, you know, couple of weeks we're hearing, you know, Todd Gurley had a, you know, procedure to clear up some debris from his ACL repair a few years ago or something like that, where it's like, yeah, he really wasn't healthy. We just didn't want to tell you. Yeah. Other, it, I mean, outside of that, it doesn't make sense to me. So I don't, I don't know. Well, and if that's the case, why not just say it? Why not admit it afterwards? You know, you in the first quarter, you had the first touch and then right. nothing. And then barely touched it the rest of the half. Yeah, I mean, he, had, he ran it on the first carry, and then it would, took until the second quarter for him to get the ball again. Um, and obviously, look, they, the they were punting a lot, and they weren't having sustained they drives, were. but, you know, he's the running back. Go, right, exactly. It wasn't like yeah. he was in the game, and they just weren't giving him touches. He was Sometimes standing he on the side. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, there were there were a couple drives in a row where Anderson was in. Um, yeah, I mean, they... They just struggled to get anything going. Certainly, I mean, McVeigh said it after the game, and I think it, you know it's easy to say. A lot of times, we you know it's kind of cliche analysis, but he was outcoached. Um, you know, I mean, Belichick and, and Brian Flores uh, had a you know a really good game plan. They put pressure on. Goff didn't handle it well, and the Rams never adjusted like the Chiefs did. I mean, the Chiefs, you know, they struggled in the first half. They got shut out in the first half, and then they came out and found something and moved the ball at will in the second half. Um, the Rams never found that. And, and you know, for all the credit and deservedly so that he's, you know, that McVay has gotten in two years, he did not have a very good night and, and never really found any sort of rhythm for that offense. So for everyone who wanted to hire people who McVay talked to. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. A little yeah. concerning. That. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, look, he, he's done a great job, and you know, we we always tend to overreact to the last thing we saw. You know, Jared Goff had a good NFC title game, and uh, he's great. This is great. This is wonderful, and and now he has a, a clunker in the Super Bowl, and it's you know, oh, is he overrated? Uh, should they, you know, are they going to move on from him when his rookie deals up? Like, hey, come on, man. I mean, the, the guys had two really good seasons in a row. I don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Famer or an All Pro. I, I don't know, but he's he's pretty good. And and you know he had a rough game. It happens. Brady didn't play that well. I mean, you know, like yeah, they won and everybody's well, that's on. The thing you is know, they, he won. And that when you right. when, you know, so and, he, and you know, I mean, he's earned the benefit of the doubt because of what he's done in the past. I I get that, you know. But the fact is, Brady didn't play very well. He missed he missed throws. His very first throw was was a bad throw that got picked off. Um, there were other plays that he was inaccurate on down the field. I mean, he, he didn't have a particularly good night. Um, now again, you know, he's Tom Brady. He's done all kinds of, you know, he's had great games and big moments. And so it's like, ah, yeah, whatever it's Tom Brady and they won anyway. Um, but you know, it happens. I mean, guys, guys have clunkers and he had one. He, he picked a bad time to have one, but he did have one. And, and, um, it was just a rough night for them all around. I thought, defensively they played better than I expected well enough to win I mean if you had told me before the game they'd hold them to 13 points I'd have thought wow they're they're gonna cruise no way they're losing you know 13 points allowed um, but it, it just had nothing going offensively I'd like to get your perspective on the dueling hot takes okay around Julian Edelman one okay he cemented his Hall of Fame status and two the complete Opposite end of the spectrum. Well, he was suspended for PEDs at the start of the year. He shouldn't have been allowed to play in the Super Bowl. I think <laughs> I think both are far fetched. Me too. But I Me think too. but I think the worst of it is he shouldn't have been allowed to play in the Super Bowl. 
uh, because he was suspended. We have the rules, just like I right. like baseball. We have the rules. Yeah. He baseball was suspended for for four games. He and then you're and then you're in. You know, baseball has the rule that you're mm-hmm. ineligible for the postseason if you're suspended during the year for mm-hmm. you know PEDs. And it's okay. It's a fine rule, but football doesn't have it. So yeah, I mean that's that's one of those like you're. It's it's exactly right. It's hot take stuff. It's you know stuff to fill content on the Monday after a dud game, which it was a dud game. Um, you know, well, why doesn't football have that rule? Well, they haven't bargained it that way. Yeah, sorry. You know, I mean, like that's the way it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'll admit it. I forgot, and that tells you something about football and how we treat PEDs. I forgot until the game was over. I didn't even remember that, and then it started to get mentioned. Like, oh, yeah, that's true. That, yeah, he did miss some time this year for that. Uh, Hall of Famer, not yet. I don't think so. I mean, you know, if if he has another, you know, couple of postseason runs, and he certainly could, given that this team doesn't seem to go anywhere ever, um, then maybe. But no, not right now. I, I think it's also worth noting after all of our talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame that the PED suspension is a footnote, and it is treated yeah. as well. He didn't play those games, so he's going to miss those counting stats. Right. And not right. as yeah. a automatic bar for voters to ever put him. No, in. it's not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, and, and I mean, that's uh, a difference in the sport culture somewhat too, you know, but well, I but just yeah. think about like Pete Rose and I'm going to compare him to two guys who I love. Um, yeah. there's Alex Karras who wrote mm-hmm. a, a very fun autobiography. If, yes. if you're ever so inclined. Yes. Uh, and also a legendary turn as Mongo. Yeah. And Paul Hornig, who were, you know, the feature of a major sports gambling scandal and were were banned for a year. Banned for a year, yeah. Yeah. Um, Were let back in and both wound up in the Hall of Fame, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to me, the Football Hall of Fame does it right as, as much as you can, which is they focus on what did you do on the field. Now, some of that stuff always creeps in. Did it creep in on Terrell Owens? I, I certainly think it did, um, uh, you know, but but they they try to, you know, mandate that in what they say. They're supposed to talk about what they do as players, not are they great community citizens? Are they, are they you know, role models? Just what they do as players. Now, that's it's a hard line uh, to, to meet because, you know, we still do this hall of fame induction that makes these guys out to be, you know, saints and, and, you know, heroes among men, which they're not, they're good football players and they, they deserve praise for that, but it's just different. And I think football kind of does a little bit better job of separating that stuff. Now, if you want to say, you know, well, does you know, the PED suspension affect your thoughts than what they did on the field. Yeah, I guess so. Um, that's reasonable, but you know, to me, that's that's not why I say he's not a Hall of Famer right now. Why I say that is simply he's not a Hall. Of Famer. He's not a great receiver in the pantheon of all time. He's had great postseasons. This was probably his best, um, but just you know, just being on a team and playing a lot of postseason games does not make you a Hall of Famer. If it did, well, Robert Ory would be a Hall of Famer. Well, and winning um, a know, Super Bowl MVP does not make you a Hall of Famer. Does not. No, Deion Branch was a Super Bowl MVP for them. Desmond uh, Howard for the Packers. Desmond Howard, Dexter Jackson, Larry Brown. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a long list of random winners of the Super Bowl MVP. So yeah, um, you know, it's it's. I don't want to say he has no shot, 
because again, if they, you know, let's say they get back and that he plays in two or three more Super Bowls and has a couple more, you know, another great Super Bowl like this, maybe wins another Super Bowl MVP or something like that, then maybe then then that's a conversation. But right now, no, I don't think so. I mean, given given the tremendous production of receivers lately and how hard it's going to be to separate guys as we go with guys who are, I mean, Brandon Marshall. I don't think Brandon Marshall's a Hall of Famer, but his numbers would tell you he is. Stuff like that, it's going to be really hard for a wide receiver to get in who has the numbers that Julian Edelman does, career-wise. Yeah, agreed. But, you know, I mean, when you got the guys that are coming up, man, it's, you know, it's on and on and on. I mean, is Julian Edelman better than Wes Welker? I don't think so. I mean, they, they've won Super Bowls with him, but Wes Welker, to me, was was a tougher matchup, uh, you know, a, a better player, and he's not a Hall of Famer. Not not even close. Yeah. Well, and so it, it really is going to be interesting as, you know, the talking points die down. When you look back at yeah. this year, it's yeah. the year of the offense. Are we going to have, you know, yeah. have we med- have we legislated defense out of the game? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then yeah. on the, on the grandest stage, which is what, you know, for the 60, whatever million who watched it, it you know, right. for half of them, it's the only game they watched this year. They're like, right. Oh, boring. This, this, so needs more yeah, offense. exactly. Yeah. There was, there was one snap taken inside the red zone, and that was the touchdown run. Mm-hmm. That's it. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, very uncharacteristic of the season, although the playoffs kind of geared that way. I mean, the Patriots-Chiefs second half was kind of a shootout, but we didn't have a lot of you know high-scoring shootouts in the playoffs. Um, and it, it gives you appreciation for good defensive coaching. Uh, you know, these, these guys, they, they get paid too, and they figured some things out over the course of the year, uh, you know, figured out ways. And, and, and it's also, it's hard. I mean, I think the Saints are a great example. Mid-season, the Saints were, you know, clicking on all cylinders. They couldn't be stopped. They were scoring 40 points a week. It's hard to keep that up all year. It's just, it's hard to stay that sharp. And all it takes is a little bit off here and there. You know, a third down that you, you know, in week eight, you completed and you ended up scoring a touchdown. You're a little off and uh, that's a punt, uh, you know, and, and so it's in the NFL when you don't get as many possessions and plays as you do in college, it's harder to stay sharp like that. And I think the Saints were a great example. They were they peaked early. They peaked in week, you know, eight, nine, ten. And they, they kind of tailed as the year went along. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah, it was a. I wasn't an interesting game. It was a dud game, actually. But um, you know, it was it was interesting in how different it was. I mean, compared to the regular season game of the year, which featured the Rams and the Chiefs, with you know fifty four fifty one, tremendous game back and forth. And you know, they scored fifty four points, and then this game, they they couldn't you know sniff the end zone basically. I don't have a good transition, so let's talk about ASC basketball. Yeah, <laughs> yes, sounds good. Um, big weekend series, which you can pretty much pencil that in as the official position uh, for <laughs> every weekend series yeah. going out. Five, um, more, five more weekends. Gotta gotta do as well as possible. ASU, to the extent that there's a marquee game left on the regular season schedule, it is Saturday's game against yeah. the Huskies. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they can't look past the Cougars because – the only thing that would be worse than losing to Princeton 
would be losing to the Cougars. Agreed. Agreed. Cannot afford it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, gotta gotta get that one, and you gotta get the one against Cal here in a couple weeks at home. Those are the bottom two teams in the conference, and you got them both at home. You know, bare minimum, you got to win those because you got to probably find a way to win. You know, six more at least uh, to feel good about your chances. You know, before the conference tournament, you, you got to have those two. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the perks, I suppose, of you know getting to play with Arizona as your traveling partner is you know teams like Washington look at that game as that's the game we need to get. That's the right. one that matters. That's the one that, that we haven't seen, you know. And maybe they'll spend a lot of energy uh on Thursday at McHale. Maybe they'll pull a USC from Herb's first year and spend a little say, too much time celebrating. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, that's the one that always sticks out in in our minds. Um, you know, they went down there and beat them, and then they uh, they came here, and we ended our zero and fifteen conference record at that point. Um, you know, the bubble watch on the athletic. Eamon Brennan's writing that again yeah. for them. Uh, has us with work left to do, but yep. agreed that it was a critical uh, victory over U of A last Thursday. And yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, you know, two teams that are kind of battling in the same um, area of the bubble. Uh, it was one you needed to get and, and we did. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're in okay shape, but uh, certainly beating Washington would be a huge feather in our cap. But yeah, you're right. We got to, we got to take care of business tomorrow night first. Um, beating Washington's going to, uh, the Washington game is going to be a really interesting test because we've struggled against zones and that's you know Mike Hopkins from Syracuse has brought that zone there and they play it so well and we're going to be without Tayshawn Cherry who's one of our best outside shooters so it's uh it it doesn't shape up well for us honestly on paper but you know you got to play the game and maybe maybe we'll find a way to attack that that we haven't so far well we're we're at home, which helps, and the other thing that helps is teams have tried to fluster us with the zone, and unlike years past, we've done a, a good job of finding Cheatham, you know, yeah. at the elbow to sort of run the offense from there. And, yeah. and if they can yeah. do that consistently and draw up the you know the center from the bottom right. of the two three. Right. It can open some things for them. It could. It could. Yeah. I mean, there's there's spots to take advantage of that, but it it is it is tricky, and they play it really well. You know, I mean, they they really have put something together, and um, you know, they're they're nine and zero in the conference, and they really haven't had many challenges. Um, you know, they they seem to have separated themselves as the class of the conference. Big weekend for them. I mean, if they can if they can come down here and sweep, that you know. I mean, I hate to do this because, you know, we always get caught by, you know, calling something done, but it's hard to see them not winning the conference easily. I mean, if they go, if they come out of this weekend 11 and 0, it feels like it is, you know, cruising to the finish line for them. And the Huskies right now have a three game lead over us, Oregon Everybody State, else. and USC. Right, and then it right. just gets so, larger from there. It, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and again, I looked at their, the rest of their schedule. You know, they still have a game against Washington State. So again, not a not a very tough opponent. I think they still have Cal and Stanford. Neither team is all that good. So I mean, they they've got 
you know, a fairly easy stretch after this. I know they, they still get Oregon and Oregon State at home because they went there, uh, almost lost to Oregon there. That's the only only challenge they've really faced so far. So they've, they've got a very manageable schedule. I mean, even a split coming out of this weekend is probably good enough to keep them very comfortably in front. But yeah, if they sweep this weekend, you know, it's, uh, now again, they have to keep piling up wins because their non-conference resume isn't all that impressive. So they can't afford to, you know, to fade at the end. But the conference race would pretty much be a done deal, I think. Yeah, and their non-conference schedule, that you know, they got blown out by Auburn in the second game of the year. They lost by 22, right. which sort of set the tone. Then they lost to Minnesota by two. They yeah. lost to then number one Gonzaga by two. And then they lost by 12 to Virginia Tech. So three not, ranked teams. You know, none of those are bad losses. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Virginia Tech was a top 10 team a couple weeks ago. They've dropped a little bit. Um, Gonzaga is a top five team. Uh, Auburn's still a pretty good team, although it hasn't been as good as, as you know, they were expected to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a bad, they just don't, they don't have a lot of signature wins. Um, you know, I, so, so it's a difficult, like if they were to fade and finish, you know, 13 and five in the conference, I, they'd have some sweating to do because they don't, they don't have a win like we've got against Kansas. Where it's like, well, they, they have that game. Now, admittedly, the Kansas win is getting less and less impressive. Yeah. Because Kansas lost again last night. So. Yeah. The Kansas <laughs> so, win and the Mississippi State win are both right. not as good as they not once were. Not as good as, as, you know, certainly Kansas is last year. I, you know, I mean, I don't think they're going to be a number one seed this year. Um, so we need to keep winning in the conference, too, because no one in this conference really has much to hang their hat on. Because the non-conference season was a disaster. There were very few key wins by anybody. So, you know, the Kansas win helps us, but it may not help us as much as it did last year. Yeah, not as much as we, uh, one might hope, let's say. No, no, you know, so. But yeah, looking, I'm looking at Washington's remainder after they play down here, you know, at Washington State. Do you think they can handle that? Home to Utah and Colorado. Neither of those teams is very good. At Cal and Stanford, again, Cal not very good. And they finish up with Oregon State and Oregon at home. So, I mean, you'd have to look and say anything shy of, you know, 15-3 and three would be a surprise. And, of course, that means for us to catch them, we got to go 9-0. and I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. It, I hope it does. It doesn't seem likely. I mean, we, we've, uh, we've struggled to string together back-to-back conference wins. We... We what? We won three in a row, right? Yeah. This year, that is uh, our that is our high note. That's our high in the in the Hurley era, I believe. Not just this year, but four years. So to to imagine that we're going to win, you know, what would end up being ten in a row with the one we've already got, hard to see that coming, especially given the amount of games we got on the road. We have five more on the road. I I'd love to see it, but I'm certainly not going to bet on it. Yeah. I am with you. Um, so I didn't want to go there, but let's do it really quickly. Uh, there's a collective <laughs> bargaining meeting. Now these are apparently proposals that the MLB yeah. put forward to the union um, for potential changes to the game. Yeah. There are eight. Of mm-hmm. the eight... Uh, I don't like most of them. 
Well, I'll tell you the one I like the most. You can tell me if you agree or disagree. I bet it's the two-sport major league contract. No, no. It's the getting, you know, just making the DH in both leagues. I've never understood why leagues have different rules from the time I was a little kid all the way up to age 33 now. It baffles me. Uh, you know, it's like saying that the Eastern Conference has a four-point line and the Western Conference doesn't. And so just get the DH in both leagues. I agree that it will eventually happen because you won't go back to no DH. Because that's how the no, game started. No. The game started with not, no DH. But right, the players exactly. will never allow that because that's they're not they're not getting rid of fifteen jobs in the American League, you know. So yeah, that, that's that's a non-starter. So I think that it's eventually going to get there. Um, my one that I don't have really a problem with is the single trade deadline before the All Star break. Okay, agreed. Fine. Agreed. Be be happy to see that the, the waiver deadline has to me become absurd. Um, because these guys make so much money now that everybody clears waivers. And so it's like the trade deadline in July is almost a, you know, yeah. a false deadline. So yeah, yeah. I, I'd be happy to well, see that too. And because you can pull the guy back. So it doesn't even right, matter, exactly. you know, like exactly. yeah. if you put the yeah. guy on waivers with the idea that he'll clear waivers so you can trade him, if somebody claims him, you just pull him back. It's to me, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, sham. So yeah, I, I would be happy with that one too. I think they should absolutely do that. I think that the players' union will absolutely go for the twenty-six roster spots. Yep, but, yep, I like that. But the twelve pitcher maximum, I think, cuts against it. The reason why you add a roster spot is to not cap the pitchers because I agree. teams already I agree. are carrying thirteen. Right, so, right. So, I, I agree. What they're what they're trying to do, and of course, this is one of the other rules. It appears they're really trying to get rid of the specialty pitcher. Yeah. They're trying to phase that out as best well, they can. So they want a three batter minimum for pitchers. I, I disagree. Yeah. I think, like, look, I find pitching changes annoying too. But you know what? That That's the game. And I don't think that yeah. we should change. Like, there's a difference between changing fundamentals and right. ancillary pieces. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, I, the, I'm conflicted on that one. I find it a little bit gimmicky. But at the same time, I see the rationale behind it because the, you know, let's bring in a pitcher. He throws two pitches and then let's bring in another pitcher. It's, you know, I, I get it. I'm with you. It is part of the game, but the game needs some tweaking in order to keep it, you know, interesting and relevant to younger fans. And yeah, people like you and me and older fans like my dad, your dad could probably appreciate the nuance like that. Kids don't care. It's really hard to keep a you know an eighteen year old or a twelve year old or an eight year old. And they're like, "Well, look at how wonderful this is watching the manager walk out and take the ball from the pitcher again." Like, yeah, right. You know, so I I see the idea behind it, even though I find it a little gimmicky. Like I said, so I don't like I don't like that. I have a big problem with it. You want to put a twenty second pitch clock? Fine. Does it get like to does it get to reset if I throw a pickoff move? I'd like to know what the rules are on that. Right. Right. You, Agreed. You, yeah. There's, there's I think nuance you, to that you know, that I want to know too. I agree. You, you certainly can't limit pickoff moves because if I know that you can only throw one and you throw one, then I'm <laughs> then stealing second. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean that's a tricky one too. Yeah. Um, um, and and does that do anything for the batter as well? Yeah. Like does that prevent the batter from stepping out? Because it should. I mean, I'm, I'm all for the pitch clock. Let's, you know, let's get on the mound and throw the pitch. Um, 
but you know, like the batter should have a consequence too of, of you know, calling time uh, all the time and stepping out between pitches. Like, no, let's get on with it. So there's got to be a, a, a double-sided coin there, I think, hopefully. Yeah, I, I guess where I land on it, because it's just not explained that well to me, is is it from the time the pitcher gets the ball back in his hands yeah, and, and if I, that's the case, then you're not accounting for stepping out. Or is it when the right. batter, you know, first enters the box? In which case, right. no one really takes twenty seconds from the time the batter re-enters the box. No, exactly, anymore. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you do it, but I, I like the idea behind it because you know the, the game does drag at times. Um, you know, and again, people like you and me to a certain extent, but you are even more of a baseball fan than me are not the primary concern with stuff like this because you'll watch a baseball game no matter what, uh, you know, yeah. you like baseball, you, you live and breathe baseball and doesn't, you know, but, but it's, it's the casual fan. And, and honestly, it's the kid that you want to bring up in the game and, and make them fans when they're our age and when they're our dad's age. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, having, having the game move faster is going to help. Now you can't, you know, I'm not saying you should change the game completely and, you know, put a, it's got to be two hours max and, you know, have a clock on every inning like you do in football or, or you know, baseball or, or basketball, I should say. But can you do some things to speed it up? I think so. Um, Let's just have and, a Pokemon Go thing <laughs> at the at every stadium then. I, you know, well, that's I'm not, fine. See, I'm not, I'm not in favor of stuff like that. I mean, I, trust me, I, as, as someone, you know, who has, you know, been to football games, basketball games, all the in-stadium entertainment, I get it. I know why it exists. I don't like it, but I get it because you, you are trying to capture people who are not there for the game. You're trying to capture the, you know, the wives, the girlfriends, the kids, stuff like that. You know, maybe that's sexist for me to say, but it's just reality of it. It's more geared toward, you know, women and, and kids who want to be entertained. Um, and, well, probably a fair amount of men too. I mean, not to be, you know, I don't want to be completely sexist on that. There's a lot of guys who go to games that don't care. Well, and it's also, it's also a marketing opportunity because there's not, sure. watch, the at every basketball game, it's not the cheerleaders, it's the cheerleaders with a sponsor. It's not right. a t-shirt right. giveaway, it is a law firm sponsor oh, yeah. t-shirt giveaway. Oh, God, it's, yeah. I mean, everything you know, at the Suns, you know, every segment is sponsored. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's the, you know, it's the Arizona lottery free throw contest or the you know the the bed mart um you know uh, you know guess the player contest or something like that there's always something yeah i mean in every sport does that we've seen it as we've gone to games other places every every place has it and i get it well we had I to do it, it for exists. sports and media was we had to we did. track we did. it yeah for games, but i mean i again i get it it's it's sort of in the same vein as some of these things with baseball do i do I personally, as a fan, think, you know, you need to go to a, you know, a, a three batter minimum? No. But do I understand why some people would be suggesting that? Yeah, I do. I can see the rationale behind it. Um, you know, I don't know that I would embrace it myself, but I, I can see why it might be suggested and, you know, kind of make it like, well, OK, you know, we're going to keep the game moving a little bit. You're not going to have, you know, throw two pitches and then you come out um, and then bring in a guy who throws three pitches and then he comes out and then bring in another guy. I mean, that that's a tough sell if you're not a baseball fan. And that's that's what this is all about. Well, they, I mean, trying to get more people, you know, they're not worried about the core people. Though. Those people are already there. 
You're also getting rid of the fun moments that make a random August game interesting, like Joe Madden putting his starting pitcher in left field so that right. he can bring in a reliever right. for a hitter. Right, um, right. I mean, and, and you know, there's going to be unintended consequences of these things, and, and teams will find ways to have a loophole in it. I mean, you know, that's that's a great that's a great one. You know, so if you're saying they got to be in for three batters, do they have to actually pitch three batters? Or could you move the guy to left field and then bring him back in? Yeah. I mean, you know, is there... Well, is and there does a, it count my intentional walk if I want, you right. know, because then you're just forcing me to make a pitching change early so that I'll right. intentionally walk this guy. Right. And then bring, yeah, and then you always face two. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's loopholes to this. and There's ways it'll be, you know, exploited as, as with anything. Um I, I guess here's here's my problem. Here are the things I don't like. When when something feels like instead of we're making progress, um, we're doing it as a trying like trying to quick fix something. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like like, and I'm thankful that I didn't see this. Although I know it's been on the table before. Of well, we're gonna do away with the shifts. Why? Right. Uh, the the baseball's about adjustments. If you want to do away with the shifts, be like Anthony Rizzo and drop a bunt down every once in a while just to keep people on. I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I I tend to agree with that. Uh, and and you know, no, I haven't heard that one suggested this time, but but definitely a lot through last season. You know, well, should they should they outlaw the shift or should they modify what you can do? You can only have so many guys to a certain side of of the diamond. I mean, I again, I sort of see the rationale, but I don't, I don't love it. I, I feel like you know, you you learn to play through it, and if you don't learn to play through it, then then the game gets rid of you. You know, I mean, if, if you bat, mm-hmm. you know, one seventy because you can't learn to play through, you know, facing a shift, well, you're probably going to get released or sent down to the minors or whatever. You know, like I mean, that's that's how it goes. You know, you learn to adjust, or the game moves on without you. Yeah, and I kind of am okay with that because I think I, the, I think the shift will become a thing that you know sort of disappears because yeah. you'll start going for players where it doesn't apply. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, um, I I don't think you need to do that. I don't think you need to gimmick it up. I I really don't. Um, the biggest thing that I loved about this was the DH, and I've thought that for years. I mean, since I was old enough to comprehend rules in sports, I have never understood how one league can have one way of playing and the other league can have a, a different way. Uh, you know, so that doesn't have anything to do with speeding up the game or, or necessarily making it more attractive. But it just makes more sense. Like it's one of those things that, like, I can't believe it's taken this long if it even happens now for it to happen, it's, it's really baffling to me. Um, some of the other things eh, I'm intrigued by the, the notion of, I'd love to hear more details on this whole, like we're going to, you know, penalize teams who lose more by taking away some of their draft picks or something like, I don't know how you do that. I mean, I, the idea, I get it to discourage tanking, but how exactly do you do that? Well, because and if you say winning is going to get you more draft picks, I mean, my God, you know, it's like, how do you ever get better? Well, and, and that's does, and, and that's the thing, improve? you know, more more than football or basketball or hockey, even this draft doesn't matter. Like, you no. know, like the like it matters because they're the guys for the future. But 
the Brewers' number one prospect was a guy who they drafted two years ago who might make the team in May, and he is considered a phenom. Um, but from the moment they drafted him, it's like, well, he'll be there in 2019 or 2020, right. and that's it. You know? right. So if we're bad and you take away my pick, well, you're just setting me up to be bad four bad. years from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I see what they're getting at with it because I think it's a – it's a pushback to one team's pulling the, you know, the Cubs and Astros model of let's stink for three or four years and then we'll get good. And it worked for both of those teams. But I, I think there's a worry that, you know, too many teams are going to start doing that. You've got 15 teams trying to tank. And you've also got, you know, the, the stagnant free agent market of the last couple of years. And players are getting up in arms about that. You can feel the restlessness, you know, picking up as each day passes. And so, you know, they're trying to say, well, you know, we're not going to let teams just go in the tank. We're going to, you know, they have to spend money. They're going to have to win. But I just don't know practically how you do that. I really don't. Well, I mean, well, here's my issue. If I'm the players and we're going into the next round of collective bargaining, yeah. or, if, or, or let me change that. If I'm the league, here's what I'll say. You don't like how long this is taking. You don't like that guys are out of a job who are veterans because right. they're, they are – you know, the guys like Harper and Machado were talking about, you know, will you take $200 million right, um, right. or not? But, you know, the your lower tier, your 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 utility guy right, or your, right. you know, number your your number one catcher on a non per, sure. you know, non playoff team type. OK, you want you want to move faster. You want to change it. Salary cap, salary floor. Absolutely, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, that is is the biggest difference between what we see with football and basketball, where when free agency starts, it's, you know, the the, the alarm bells ring and it's, you know, sign, 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 let's get in, let's get that money, Uh, you know, big contracts on the first day versus baseball because, yeah, there's no no cap. Um, So teams can spend however much money they want. And well, so and there's a and, and, yeah. Well, and that's the thing is the the teams now are self policing, and right. and really from a you know if you want to talk about the way the market is set up for baseball, yeah. that's how it should be. You yeah. you're looking around and you're saying, you know, the Brewers. I saw a story. They're they're back in on the Dallas Keuchel, you know, uh-huh. negotiations. Yeah. Well, that's because the market came back to them. They weren't right, going to exactly. give him, you know, eighteen million a year for six years. But yeah. if he'll sign a two-year, you know, nineteen million dollar deal, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, I, I think I think what we're seeing with free agency is is simple market correction. It's it's teams. You know, there's there's only thirty of them, and too many of them have been burned by bad free agent signings that I think teams are leery of, of guaranteed money, which it is. It's not football. You know, the money's guaranteed. You're on the hook for it. Um, and it's not basketball in the sense that you, you know, they don't have the ability that the easier ability to trade these guys, dump salaries, things like we see in basketball all the time, buyouts. So, you know, the teams are leery of it and teams are leery of spending, you know, $300 million on Bryce Harper. And I don't blame him, by the way. I mean, you know, Bryce Harper's a solid player. He's won an MVP. But is he worth the most money in, in you know, baseball history? I don't think so. Well, and it's the other part of this, which I think is something that is 
often not talked about is the the old model and the way most sports forever had been designed is you pay for past work. Right. You right. you you know, you're undervalued when you're in your prime or heading right. into your prime, then you're way overvalued for the years after your prime. And you're starting to see really across all the sports uh, this sort of recognition that okay, no, why am I gonna why am I gonna pay you know Harper's thirty or twenty eight I believe right yeah, why am like I gonna that. pay yeah. why am I gonna sign you for a ten year thirty million dollar deal when we all know at thirty eight you're not worth thirty million dollars you're not gonna be yeah <laughs> it's the Albert Pujols deal mm-hmm. I mean, you know he he got paid based on being a star for many many years with St Louis and almost immediately his production dropped. And now it's it's really dropped. You know, I mean, everyone knew kind of toward the end of the deal it would probably be a bad deal. It was a bad deal almost from the start. Yes. So I, I think there's a there's a hesitancy toward getting into another one of those. And, you know, both Bryce Harper and Manny Machado come with baggage. Yeah. Like neither one of them has, has really acquitted themselves as an unconditional superstar. Um, so I don't blame teams for being leery of giving them you know, eight to 10 years at 25 plus million dollars. I wouldn't do it. Well, and that's why, that's why, you know, that's why Trout is more the anomaly. I think moving forward, the, the contract, you know, for guys like him and Kershaw, I think you're not, I think you are going to, you're not going to see that again until, you know, there's such inflation in the world that those are the equivalent today of a, you know, a $80 million deal. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. No, I, I agree. I just think it's a, I think it's a, you know, teams being smarter and players don't like it. And I, I get it, but yeah, you're exactly right. You want to, you want to see a, a rush have a salary cap. Well, because or, uh, then there's only so much money out there for you and players will sign and teams are going to have to set their rosters. And uh, you know, it's, it's that simple. The whole market will change if you put that in. Well, and you can do it. You know, there are other things you can do. It. You don't like this. You don't like this correction where we're not paying guys who pass their prime. Fine. Then, then put your foot down and say the league minimum salary should be two million. Yeah. Per yeah. year. Yeah. Because then you're going to get two million a year if you make the majors. Right. You right. know. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, there's there's certainly you know ways to ways to compensate for it or or you know uh, counterbalance it a little, but. But yeah, I mean, I you know you cannot you cannot force a team, and all it takes is one. But you cannot force a team to say, well, you know, someone's got to pay Bryce Harper three hundred million dollars because he and his agent feel he's worth it. No, they don't. And I read, you know, I read something in the Athletic a few weeks ago about you know there's only four teams interested in these guys, and that's that's a shame. Well, they there'd be more teams interested in them if their price was more realistic. Yeah, and if, it's, if Bryce Harper was willing to sign for eighteen million a year, I bet you all of a sudden fifteen teams would be interested. But you know, people and, are you know the Cubs are a great example. Everybody thought he was going to Cubs. The Cubs aren't going to spend that much money on Bryce Harper, nor do I think they should. Well, and it goes to also the idea of there, there's no bad one year deal, right? Like right, if right. you wanted to, if you wanted to pull the, you know, baseball equivalent of Durant. Or LeBron yeah. and sign right. one year deals. He could get twenty five million for a year. He could. He could. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think you would yeah. see a complete shift in the market because I think you would see teams like, you know, even mid market teams like Kansas City 
or sure. Baltimore get in the mix, uh, you know, at that price and say, we'll, well spend the money for a guy. Well, yeah. heck, yeah. You know, worst case scenario at the trade deadline, we deal him. We can send him off to someone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, true, true. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, you know, it's just, I, I don't feel like that there's really anything wrong with this. No, I just, I, don't. I, I mean, I just I, feel know, like it's a it's a shift. It's the but yeah. but I view this so this brings us back to the changes they're proposing to me. Yeah, yeah. It is a shift because ooh, something has changed from the way it had been trending, and and I don't sure. and, and I don't sure. like forced corrections in the gameplay when you know it's like ooh pitchers are getting really good. Well, a decade ago we were hitting right. fifty home runs a year. As yeah, a, as yeah. common stand, you know, we're still hitting a bunch of home runs. You just guys aren't hitting grounders and hitting for average because right. we're putting a new emphasis on you know taking pitches and walks and, and, and on less, base percentage and slugging and, and you know yeah. launch angle. And it's like, well, the correction for launch angle is all these pitchers are throwing high fastballs, right? You right. know, yeah. As yeah. soon as you're no, willing I, to, I agree. you know, I, I agree. I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of that idea either. I, you know, I. I as you were saying that, it reminded me of the conversation that's come up in basketball so much of you know, the Western Conference has been so dominant. Um, you know, we should get rid of, of you know, playoff seedings or, you know, just take the top 16 overall. Like, I don't think we need to do that. I, I just don't. I, I feel like, you know, yes, have there, you know, yeah, the finals were boring last year because the Cavs were completely outmatched. But do we need to overreact? I don't think so. Like you know, it's 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 been good for this long. Now that doesn't mean you you, you know you should just uh, again. I always say like you know I I hate the argument of like well this this is how we've done it so let's keep it that way. But I also don't think you need to overreact to something and say well this thing about the game is different now right now maybe not three years ago maybe not three years from now but right now so we got to do something to change that and, I don't. I don't buy into that. And that is exactly where I agree with you and I think is the best point, which is if you it, – it's about sample size. If you yeah. look at the last three years, boy, the free agent market has been slow. There are a bunch of issues. Right. Well, before that, it wasn't. And, and, it wasn't. And teams were overpaying yeah. guys and you have bloated contracts with guys who either like Ryan Braun, you know, yeah. won an MVP, got his huge contract, got busted yeah. for steroids – has never had the same numbers. Right, um, right. You know, so the Brewers now, when they made their big splash last year, everyone was like, wow, they spent a lot of money on Lorenzo Kane. It's not even close to what they paid Braun. No, and, you know, no, exactly. And, and they made yeah. this trade for Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich was on a five-year $49 million deal right. at the time. A relative, so, relative bargain, basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's the same. It's the same thing I've said, um, you know, you and I have talked many times over the last few years about, you know, the college football playoff and does it need to expand, you know, and, and my point early on was like, let's let it play out a few years. Now we've had five years, so we've had we've had a reasonable amount of time to look and see, you know, the, the positives, negatives, um, but, you know, the reaction after year one of like, well, we, you know, this isn't enough, like, let's just, let's just let it play out, let's see. Uh, well, and, that's and even that to me is even more of an example because you've made the change. You did something. Yes. Like yes. let's, you know, let let's pump the brakes before breathe. we say it was a huge mistake. Exactly. Yeah. Give it. Give it some time. Give it the you know the the twelve years that was supposed to be there, and and then let's see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, would have, I be opposed? Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say in baseball, teams started doing the shift in earnest 
three seasons ago. And, and it sure. was really just Tampa and then Madden right. took it to the Cubs. Right. And now, right. now, I mean, look, my team shifts all the time. Oh, it's become, you know, and, every, but, every batter, basically, it seems like there's something going on. <laughs> but the thing is, like, okay, it's been happening for a few years. Sure. And, let's see what the adjustment the hitters make on their own before we before we no, legislate out that. of the game a rule that you know I agree uh, I I am with you on that I don't I don't really agree with that I, I mean I I I see what people are saying I can at least you know see their vantage point in saying well we need to get rid of this so we need to make changes to it but I I don't ultimately agree with it like I feel like you know let's let's see the adjustment back kind of like what we were just talking about with football you know, in November, it was, oh, there's no defense anymore. This is terrible. What's happened to the game? Well, we saw the adjustment during the season and during the postseason. Teams started figuring out ways to slow down some of these offenses, uh, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, games in the high 30s and 40s turned into games in the 20s. And the Super Bowl, that you know, neither team crossed the 50 much of the game, you know. So, yeah, things have a way of adjusting, and I, I would be, uh, you know, on the side of let's let's see how – Let's see how batters adjust because the, the fielding has adjusted to take away what batters do well. Well, now it's time to, you know, react back to that. Yeah, I, I – this is an extreme example and I recognize that. I, I hearken back to Tony Gwynn's entire approach as a hitter was uh-huh. the five-and-a-half hole. He would hit it between short and third, opposite way, and slap yeah. the ball. Well, yeah. if they started creeping into that hole – He'd try. He'd probably try to pull it more. But, right, exactly, but yeah. we're in the yeah. reverse of that now. At, you know, yep. they shift yep. because you pull the ball on the ground all the time. You don't ever right. hit the ball on the ground the other way. Okay, well, spend your offseason trying to hit the ball on the ground the opposite way. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I mean, like that's that. Uh, I'm I'm of the same mindset. There, it's like you know, it's almost like. If, uh, you know, if three-point shooting became, you know, and it's the opposite, but, you know, if it became terrible in basketball, like, well, let's move the three-point line to, you know, 17 feet. No, learn, learn how to shoot it. Uh, you know, let's not make it easier. Uh, you know, learn how to shoot it. And, and uh, you know, that's what's happened now. And so, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like, get better. That's my ultimate answer for that. And if you don't get better, again, the game will move on without you because there'll be somebody who will. Yeah. Well, that's old man corner for this week. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it kind of devolved into that. Didn't that's, that's all right. We it, are gearing toward being old men, so you know it happens. Uh, we'll be back. We'll talk about the Washington game, uh, the Washington State game, and hopefully an ASU sweep. We'll assess the final numbers for uh, the national signing day. Uh, right now, ASU is one player up from where they were. We'll see if they're able to sign a running back or something in the interim. Uh, But until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.